Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Healthy Versus Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. This is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks if I can discuss manipulation and boundaries. So not long ago, I was talking about manipulative behavior and how healthy boundaries are actually a great defense against it. Even though anybody can be manipulated, healthy boundaries certainly reduce the chances of that. So I received a number of questions about manipulation. What does it look like? What are some signs that manipulation may be occurring? And then how do boundaries help? How do boundaries protect people? So let me start with the concept of manipulation, then I'll work over to boundaries. So manipulation is an interesting word. We see it in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. It's related to several disorders like antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder. Sometimes it's associated with substance use disorder. So we see different mental disorders that seem to have this relationship with manipulation. We also see that the term isn't necessarily really well defined. Depending on the person, depending on how they view this particular term, the definition may be fairly restrictive or expansive. But in general, it's when somebody's trying to achieve a goal through deception or playing on emotions. So manipulation has to do with relationships, exploiting someone, using someone. And it can be indirect and insidious, right? That's usually how we think of it. If somebody just comes up to you and asks for money really directly, you know, just give me $10 or whatever, that's not really manipulation. They're being fairly direct. They're not using any type of cleverness or ploy or playing on your emotions. Rather, they're just directly asking for something. So we usually think of manipulation as being somewhat sneaky. Now, in terms of the goal, why does somebody manipulate? They could be trying to gain influence over somebody else. They're looking for affection, money, power, status, control. This one's fairly common, control. And we also see that for some people, especially if there's psychopathology at work, sometimes there is no goal. Sometimes manipulation just becomes a routine, and that's simply what they do. So there may seem to be some goal at the surface, but they don't really need to manipulate to get what they want, but they still enter into that pattern anyway. So what are some potential warning signs or examples associated with manipulation? So it's important to keep in mind when I go through this list that not all of these necessarily mean that somebody's being manipulative, you have to take all the evidence into consideration and really understand the context. But here are some general patterns I've seen, general behaviors I've seen that tend to be associated with manipulation. So the first one is lying. And this one is really one of the most obvious and one of the most common. If somebody's trying to deceive you, that's a fairly good sign of some type of manipulation. The next one is if somebody's critical or judgmental. In particular, if they're pointing out weaknesses, especially 
relational type weaknesses. Weaknesses that would make somebody more vulnerable, make somebody more dependent in a relationship. We know that people that manipulate do tend to target people that they believe have weaknesses which will play to what they want, right? That'll play to what the manipulator wants. Another sign of manipulation is when somebody uses strong emotions, especially kind of out of nowhere, right? So if somebody makes these wild gestures, like waves their hands around in kind of an intimidating manner, or they stare, or they're angry all of a sudden, kind of a dramatic reaction, one that would catch people off guard, that tends to have an association with manipulation. Now, similarly, somebody could use positive emotions, really strong positive emotions, in order to manipulate as well, although usually negative emotions are what we think of as being more associated with manipulation. The next sign of manipulation is really kind of a subset of the sign I just had, and this is when somebody appears desperate, right? We see this with certain types of fraud that people engage in, like there's this type of fraud where you're at the gas station filling up your vehicle, and somebody comes up to you and says, you know, my car is out of fuel, out of gasoline, and I just need some money so I can fill it up, so I can go home, right? Clearly, they're asking for money. If you really went to fuel their car, they wouldn't want that. They would want the money in a lot of these situations anyway. But this is trying to really appeal to somebody's emotions and appear desperate. I don't think many people fall for this anymore, but this is one way to appear desperate to gain something. Another way we see sometimes is if you're driving around and somebody runs up to your window and they're kind of waving their hands about like they want you to roll your window down, like it's an emergency. Now, of course, it legitimately could be an emergency, but they want you to do something really quickly that kind of violates a boundary, right? You're just in your car and they want you to roll down the window. Now, of course, this really depends on the situation as to whether it's suspicious or not, but there are some situations where this would seem kind of irregular, right? It's dark out. You're in a place without a lot of people, and somebody runs up to your window out of nowhere and wants you to roll the window down, right? might be better just to talk to them through the window while calling the police or just leave and call the police. So again, this is kind of appealing to somebody's need to help somebody in an emergency. That's what this type of manipulation is really looking at. The next sign is when somebody is pressuring you for an immediate decision, right? I've seen this a few times when working with clients who get in trouble with the law and they have a particular charge that could carry jail time, for instance, and they go in and see the prosecutor, and perhaps they don't have an attorney, and the prosecutor says, well, you know, I'll offer you a felony with no prison, but you have to take it now. And really, there's no need that that has to be taken now. That deal really should be extended for at least some time. But there's this pressure, there's this manipulation to get somebody to plead guilty because maybe they don't understand their rights, maybe the prosecutor is busy, maybe it really is a good deal, you don't know because the client is being pressured to make that decision so quickly. So when somebody needs a decision right away, like within a few seconds or minutes, that's a sign of manipulation. That could be a sign of manipulation. The next one is when somebody uses past statements to make you seem inconsistent. So really trying to make you feel obligated to do something for them. So they might say, well, you said before that you always like to help people. Why aren't you helping me now? Right? Trying to put it on you. This is sometimes thought of as a type of gaslighting, where somebody tries to make you believe that you're the problem in a relationship or a situation. So the next sign is arguing after you've already answered, right? So if they're asking for something and you say no, and they continue to argue, continue to pressure, that's a sign of manipulation. Now, of course, there are situations where 
when somebody says no, like a business negotiation or something, that somebody might still continue and apply some pressure. They might say, well, have you considered, you know, another option? Or would you reconsider if we could change the deal around? So again, these signs don't apply to every situation. But in general, somebody's arguing past you saying no, that may be something to be a little bit concerned about. Another sign of manipulation is when somebody distorts your words. So you say something really clearly, or maybe you don't say it clearly, but you say it either way. And they come up with all these other words and all this paraphrasing that really loses the original meaning. So it's not really paraphrasing. So they'll take something out of context, or they'll twist a few words around so that it looks like you said something different, or it looks like you intended to say something different. So they might explain the distortion by saying, well, I thought that's what you meant, or isn't that what you meant, or something like that. So distorting your words, taking them out of context, moving them all around, that could be a sign of manipulation. The next sign is when somebody's acting immaturely. So if you're interacting with somebody and say they're 50 or 55 years old, and they're acting like somebody who's 11 years old, that's a sign that something could be going on with manipulation. And one of the reasons this is a sign of manipulation is because when we look at some of the traits associated with manipulation, narcissism really kind of stands out. And we know that usually people who are narcissistic are quite immature. And we see the same thing with psychopathy. Psychopathy has a manipulation component when somebody's a psychopath. And psychopathy is also associated with being immature. So immaturity itself kind of points to characteristics that have this link to manipulation. So again, just something to be on the lookout for. The next sign is when somebody tries to bypass your reasoning skills. This is actually a pretty good sign of manipulation. When somebody tries to bypass reason, when they try to say something to you like, why don't you follow your heart or go with your gut feeling? They're trying to get you to act on impulsivity and impulsivity is kind of a risk factor for falling for manipulation, for being the victim of somebody trying to use manipulation. So this is really, I think, probably one of the more important signs of manipulation, bypassing reasoning, bypassing logic. The next sign is when somebody gives unclear answers. So somebody's asking you for something that makes you suspicious, like they're asking you to stay after work where you'll be alone with them, but they can't explain why, what project you'll be working on, why all of a sudden, why other alternatives to staying after work don't make sense. That's kind of a sign of manipulation, right? If somebody's dodging the question, that's not a good indicator. The next sign is superficial charm. And this one, just like immaturity, is a characteristic of both psychopathy and narcissism. Somebody can be very charming, but they don't seem to have a lot of depth or sensitivity. So again, it's kind of surfacey, kind of superficial. The next sign is when somebody exerts pressure over a period of time. And this is kind of similar to when you say no to somebody and they keep asking, but really this would be over like the course of days, weeks, or months. They keep asking the same thing even though you've already answered. So they're applying pressure hoping to wear you down. This is a type of manipulation. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. 
As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. This next sign of manipulation is kind of a little unusual because this is when somebody mixes in good behaviors, right? Positive behaviors like generosity, but it's uncharacteristic for the way they normally operate. So a lot of times what people who are manipulative will do is they will be, for lack of a better word, they will be good some of the time. They'll treat you well. They'll be respectful. They'll actually respect boundaries pretty well, but typically it's very time limited. They're doing it to kind of throw you off guard or make you feel more comfortable, kind of lure you in. So it's not that somebody who's manipulative is always going to be manipulative. Sometimes they'll manifest these positive behaviors, and this is really part of an overall manipulation scheme. The next sign of manipulation is something I've noticed kind of over the years, and I guess this really kind of makes sense. People that are trying to manipulate oftentimes want to avoid surveillance cameras, and they want to avoid onlookers. So they like to talk to you when you're alone. They don't like to talk to you when other people are there. Again, if somebody's up to no good, that would make sense. If somebody's kind of above board, it wouldn't matter if there's a surveillance camera on them or if other people are around. Now, of course, there are some situations where people want to maintain privacy, and that makes sense. So again, this is just something that I've seen associated with manipulation, but doesn't guarantee manipulation is present, certainly. The next sign is when somebody overshares in an effort to gain reciprocity. So they give you a lot of details about themselves, kind of their whole life history, maybe a lot of emotional information, like information about their feelings. But what they're really trying to do, potentially here, would be to get you to open up about sensitive information. So like they're sharing, so they expect you to share. So really this is just a type of manipulation. They're sharing, but they don't really care about the content they're sharing. They want to hear what you're going to say to, again, kind of weaponize it, to kind of use it against you. So the next sign is not reacting to discomfort or obvious signs. So imagine like a situation where you're trying to leave work and a coworker comes up and they're talking to you, but you really want to go, but you're trying to be polite. So you have your keys in your hand and you're kind of moving toward your car. You get to your car, unlock it, open the door, right? You're kind of inching closer and closer to getting in the car and they're still talking. They're not picking up on the obvious sign that you're either uncomfortable or in a hurry or either way, don't want to talk to them at that time. So they're willing to disregard your feelings in order to keep pressing whatever their agenda is. 
Now, some people are just talkative, so again, we have to be careful about saying that all these indicate manipulation. This next one I think is pretty important. This is when somebody says one thing and does another. It's important to follow the behavior. With manipulation, words really don't matter too much. It's what somebody does. So it's not unusual for them to say something and then do something else. Another thing I've noticed about people who are manipulative is they're usually poor listeners. And I think there's a few reasons for this. One is because manipulation expends cognitive resources, but the other is that they're really kind of selfish and focused on their goals. Now, it could also be that somebody who's manipulative, at least for a short period of time, may be a very good listener. So again, kind of thinking back to the oversharing and then listening for kind of your information. So not listening is one potential sign, but listening a lot, but having some sort of agenda would be, of course, another sign. The next sign here would be making physical contact when someone's clearly uncomfortable with that. I think some people touch a lot, like in relational situations that aren't romantic. They touch somebody's arm or whatever. That's not unusual, but if you're clearly uncomfortable with it and they continue to do it, that could be a sign that they're trying to kind of gain control in that situation and dominate, and that can be kind of a prelude to manipulation or part of manipulation. Another sign is if somebody emphasizes a commonality in order to try to make a connection, right? So they might say, well, what high school did you go to? And you answer and they say, I went to the same high school. Now, it just might be that they went to the same high school, but why did they ask you in the first place? Was the question appropriate for the context? Another example could be somebody sees like an emblem on your shirt, maybe your employer, and they say, hey, do you work there? I know somebody works there. Again, most of the time this would be very innocent, but it could be used to establish a commonality and get you to lower your guard. So it kind of motivates you to trust them more because you have this connection, even if it's a really superficial connection. The last sign of manipulation I'll cover here is really one of the most important. And this is when somebody wants you to do something that is not typical for the kind of relationship that you have. Right, so one example I can think of would be if there's a brand new coworker, like at your place of employment, like somebody who's on their first day, and they want to ride home from work. May be innocent, may just be they need a ride home from work, but that may be violating a boundary for you. So you just don't have enough experience with that person, and you don't know them well enough to engage in that activity. So somebody's really kind of pushing a boundary or crossing a boundary there, really even potentially by asking. Now again, it could be that there's an emergency and their car broke down or something, and they really do need a ride home from work, as I mentioned. But just in general, something to look out for. When somebody's asking for something that doesn't quite fit with the level of relationship that you have. So what you want to think here is, is this reasonable given the nature and the duration of the relationship? So before I get to the idea of boundaries, just some quick tips about avoiding manipulation. There'll be some tips within the boundary discussion as well. But some keys would be, watch the behavior. What does somebody want? Look to what they're really trying to get. It's not necessarily what they're asking for. So again, I kind of mentioned it before. It's not the words, it's the behavior. So watch the behavior. Take your time with decisions. This will help you to avoid being manipulated. Just take your time. Few decisions have to be made in a rush. Don't get isolated. This is an important tip. Avoid being alone with somebody that you don't trust or somebody that's pushing on boundaries. And the last item I'll include on this list is consult with others. If you get this uneasy feeling, if somebody's kind of moving in on boundaries and it doesn't quite feel right, talk to other people. Again, manipulators don't like onlookers. They don't want other people to know 
what they're doing. So this is a reasonable defense to manipulation. So now moving on to boundaries. Why is it that anybody can be manipulated? If boundaries are so protective, why is it that really anyone in a given situation can still be manipulated? Well, it's because although boundaries are protective, boundaries tend to change slowly. So if you know somebody well, and they change rapidly, they could manipulate you because you have to adjust your boundaries and that might take longer. So we have to keep in mind that we're always vulnerable to manipulation, but we're mostly vulnerable with people that we know well. If we have healthy boundaries and we keep strangers at a distance, that's going to reduce the chance of being manipulated. So why are healthy boundaries a great defense? Why do they help so much? Well, boundaries are really a set of rules. They govern relationships. Boundary doesn't mean necessarily a solid wall. That's not always appropriate. In some situations, of course, it would be. If somebody was a victim of a crime, and that person that committed the crime like lived in the same community, their boundary might be, I'm never going to talk to that person, or see them, or interact with them. That's appropriate for that situation. But consider the boundary between a mother and her child. That kind of solid wall would not be appropriate. You'd expect there to be communication and affection. So really, it's best to think of boundaries as a set of rules that let certain behaviors in, but limit others. So a question related to this that I get sometimes is, why not just have these super restrictive boundaries? Won't that protect better? If I'm suspicious of everyone, won't that mean that manipulators would never get through? Well, technically, I suppose that would really reduce the risk a lot, but it comes at a high cost. We try to achieve balance. If we're suspicious of everybody, and we keep everybody at a distance, we'll never have really a meaningful relationship in terms of sharing feelings and emotions anyway. So yes, super restrictive boundaries are technically protective, but you have to look at the cost-benefit with a tactic like that. I think healthy boundaries, really knowing what your values are, knowing what type of relationship you want to have with different people, and maintaining those boundaries, that's really the best strategy I think for balancing having meaningful relationships with protecting yourself from manipulation. The idea of healthy boundaries doesn't refer to just one strategy. It's an overarching strategy, but it actually refers to a number of different sets of rules. Consider this example. You're standing in the line at a grocery store. And for most people standing in a line at a grocery store, we wouldn't consider this dangerous. So we wouldn't necessarily have really restrictive boundaries with people in that line. If somebody looked in your shopping cart and they said, well, hey, do you have a dog? I see you have dog food in there. You might answer that. You might say, yeah, I have a multi-poo. That's the kind of dog I have. But if they said, hey, what's your address? Well, that would be kind of violating a boundary for that relationship, right, for that context. So again, healthy boundaries are applied in different ways depending on the relationship. But for each relationship, they're always healthy. This is one thing that's important to keep in mind as well. I've seen this with certain people that I've worked with where they have healthy boundaries for some types of relationships, but for other types, they don't. And what I usually see here is like with strangers, they have fairly good boundaries, but for romantic partners, they have unhealthy boundaries. So just because somebody manifests healthy boundaries with one relationship doesn't mean they're doing that with all the relationships. So some other thoughts on boundaries. Most people know what healthy boundaries are, but some people don't 
exercise them, right? So they know what they are, but they can't follow through. And a lot of times, as I mentioned before, this is because of impulsivity. But others don't know what healthy boundaries even look like. And people in this situation are really the most vulnerable. So what can we do to keep these boundaries healthy? Well, we have to make sure that they can operate under all types of pressure, right? Again, it's going to be sometimes urgent situations where we see manipulation. We want to change them slowly and based on evidence. So typically, a good strategy would be to change your boundaries at a measured pace and based on actual evidence, not based on feelings, but based on observable behavior. And what we have to consider, too, is when we move someone from one status, from being governed by one set of boundaries to another set, like when somebody moves from acquaintance to friend, right? So we may have good sets of boundaries for acquaintances and friends, but another mistake could be we move people too quickly to another tier, right? So that's important to keep in mind, too. It's not just the boundary. It's how you place people in categories, what types of evidence you evaluate to move somebody from one status to another. So the last thing I'll mention here with manipulation and boundaries is that the most effective manipulators start off appearing normal. They start off by not violating boundaries, and they try to earn trust over months or even years. Then they start to manipulate slowly. So some manipulation, actually a lot of it, again, is fairly easy to spot, but when somebody starts off kind of respecting boundaries and they build your trust over a long period of time, this is when even healthy boundaries can fail. Because again, as I mentioned before, they might change slowly and somebody you have a relationship with might change quickly. So we just have to look out for all types of manipulation, right? Not just kind of novice manipulators, but there are some expert manipulators out there too, and their tactics are usually a bit different. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Brightigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslonga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslonga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslonga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.